Welcome to another episode of the Love and Reality Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, I sat down with Eliza Ben Shalom, the host of the upcoming Netflix series, Jewish Matchmaking. The series follows her in her world of matchmaking, finding singles across the world, their person. Personally, I found the series a breath of fresh air in this clouded dating reality space. I found myself intrigued not just by the Jewish culture, but Eliza's take on dating. In our chat, I talked about how she got into matchmaking, how did the deal with Netflix come about, and much more. Jewish matchmaking hits Netflix on May 3rd, 2023. I hope you enjoy our interview. All right. I want to rewind just a little bit for the audience. At what point did you know that matchmaking was something that you wanted to do? Ooh, good question. I was always kind of like a go-between between friends and different couples. And, and that started at a very young age, like as early as 10. <laughs> And, you know, with dating and going to the dance together and setting people up. But it, as a profession and as an adult, it happened. Uh, I was, I had like two little kids. It happened in 2007. So uh, I was around 30 that it started or just before 30. Yeah, it's incredible. Obviously, you know, when I started watching the show, hearing that you had matched over 200 people together, that's an incredible number. But the question here is, what um, you host the show, obviously coming out Jewish matchmaking on Netflix. How did this come about? And did you have any hesitations on doing it? So it came about actually through a matchmaker. So <laughs> funny story, a matchmaker that I train and that I work with, she, uh, got interviewed. There were a lot of matchmakers in, in my circles that got interviewed, but she and I work together and we train other matchmakers and we do singles events together. And we had been on zoom virtually doing stuff for years. And she called me and she goes, Aliza, I'm sending casting to you. I think you're fabulous on camera. I don't want to be on camera. I told them, don't pick me. I said they should pick you. And so I'm sending them your way. And that's actually how I got the interview. Do you have any hesitations about watching it back yet? It's a good question. So I think the 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 real answer is yeah. I think anybody would have hesitations. How am I going to be represented? How are the Jewish people going to re be represented? How is matchmaking and the profession going to be represented? How are the singles that I'm going to be working with going to be represented? All of those things were running through my mind. I had seen Indian matchmaking and I knew that this was kind of the Indian matchmaking spinoff. And I knew that the production company that had done that work was more of a documentary style, like docu-series, reality series kind of a, uh, a company. And I did a lot of research and I, I looked into this and I, from Indian matchmaking, I saw that they, rep. I felt that there was a representation that was something that I would be comfortable with. Like if we were to clone that and make it Jewish, I went, okay, I could handle that. But I of course sought guidance from mentors and uh, community leaders. And I also, um, for me, it was very important that we had somebody behind the scenes that was Jewish and observant like I was. And so we had a from producer that was brought on board. I actually made that match. Um, I said, here's my top three picks. I, I need somebody behind the scenes so that I know that the, I, I want me and the Jewish people to be represented as we are, but I need it to be an accurate, you know, depiction of that. And they brought on uh, Ronit Polantarshish and she's spectacular. And she did a phenomenal job behind the scenes, helping to 
ensure that the authenticity is there. And I really feel that uh, it is. Yeah, it's incredible for somebody like me that is not familiar with the all of the the, the verbiage and the the situations. Because I, you know, when you think of like the Jewish uh, faith, you know, you think of everything else, right? You know what I mean? You have, but this is like so particular in so many different ways. Like I didn't understand the breakdown until like you're talking about one version and this version, and this person has to match this version. Like that to me sounds like a very hard matchmaking. So when it comes to meeting a client. What's your kind of preparation process like in finding potential matches? In terms of finding matches, we really need a lot of information. We need the personality of the person. We need their values, who they are, what they want in life. We need to know all the fun details about them, what they love, what excites them. And then when we get to the Jewish stuff, we need to know what kind of Judaism, how were they raised? Where did they come from? Did they have a Jewish upbringing? Did they have nothing? Did they have a very religious upbringing? Then I like to compare that to the present. How are you similar or different from where you came from? Some people are like, oh, it's the same, no big deal. And other people are like, no, I started one way and I'm now going another. And then I'm like, okay, wait, pause. How about the future, right? Wherever you are today, are you heading in the same direction in the future, or are you are you going to shift again? Because I could make a good match for today, but if it's not going to match you in 10 years, it's going to be a divorce, and then we have a problem. So for me, it is very nuanced. It's intricate. It's detailed. And it means that I have to have a really deep understanding of somebody's past, present, and future life goals. And then I could make a match, hopefully, that's within a range of something that's going to be workable for them. My follow-up to that is, so one thing I noticed in watching this is sometimes the singles have these larger-than-life expectations. And obviously, as someone at home watching, I'm like, all right, come on, guys, like, calm down. But what I think that I love what you do is you never shoot them down. How important is it to, you kind of form them, you know what I mean? You're like, hey, you don't really say, all right, guys, you don't say what I'm thinking, right? You know, what I mean? You might be thinking it yourself, you know what I'm saying? But how important is it to not shoot down those hopes and dreams of finding a person in the way they want to, but kind of forming them in a way of more realistic expectations? Okay, so I love it. You hit part of my secret sauce. Part of my secret sauce, and most people, it's true that they don't do this. If you look at anybody who sets people up, they're doing it differently. I look at somebody and I go, who are you? And they tell me and I go, hmm, great. Tell me more. And I take it in. I hear them. I accept them. And I validate what they say, because this is what they want. I'm not them. I don't have their identity. Only they can identify that. I accept everything. I receive them. Once I've received them, we both feel very grounded, comfortable at home. There's a level of trust that's built. And then I say, okay, Okay, wait, let me just think for a minute. Okay, so I have an idea for a match or I have a thought about something. And, and if I want to share something different, I acknowledge what they said. I know you have a certain look. Let me ask you something. Is there wiggle room here? Is there stretch? So instead of saying, this isn't what you need and that's never going to work for you and good luck, or you know, you'll have to settle, which I don't believe any of us want to hear. And I don't even think it's the right way to speak to people or to go about the process. I say to them, I understand what you're looking for. As of today, here's my options. You could say, no, I don't need you to say yes. I, you know, this is just what I have. Would this be okay? Are you open to stretch here? I know it's not your preference. And as soon as I say, I know this isn't your preference, I'm not saying you have to date them. I'm just saying, I recognize 
you at you here's the menu you gave me what you wanted to order and i said we're out of number three do you want number four and i give you the choice to say yes or no sometimes people say yes sometimes they say no and i'm totally fine with it and and the truth is i really am fine with it i don't i i never want to you can't stretch somebody beyond how far they can go or they snap like a tree okay the wind blows if it's a very rigid tree and the wind blows hard it breaks we had a tree fall right across the street from us right in between our houses it snapped okay but i know that there's this tree where is it something it's in like caribbean islands the divi divi tree or something it literally like it's so flexible and the way the wind blows it literally gets formed into that shape because it has such flexibility with its environment so I try to just work with people in terms of their flexibility. And, and I also want to tell them, I'm here. I actually heard what you said. And probably everybody else in the world told you you can't get it. I don't know if we can get it. I'm going to try to get as close to what you want as possible. And where we're different, I'm just going to be real with you. I'm going to be honest. And if you're willing to try it on for size, you actually might learn something new. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll hate it. Either way, we'll learn something. Yeah, absolutely. And then you could take something away from that. Like I've, I noticed that in some of the matches that you made on the series, like some of the people are like, all right, this is not my cup of tea, but I did take something from just Steve that, you know, I can use for the next match and stuff like that. I do love that. Now, one thing that I do love, you get really excited about your specific, um, uh, like slay sayings that you have, you know what I mean? There's certain, it's, it's funny to me. It's like, it's, it's talking to you. It, it re I realize it. So when it comes to like coming up with like a saying or having a specific category for um, a, 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 a matchmaking, where do those kind of come from? And do you really get excited when you put one together? I do. I do. Okay. So I love wordsmithing. I have a friend who uh, is, she's literally my wordsmith <laughs> And, and we swap services, although I don't pay her. She's like, Elise, I have a real job. I'm just like doing this with you out of the goodness of my heart. I'm like, fine, I'm making a donation to your favorite charity. Help me wordsmith this. And I I have, I didn't think of this until you said this just now. So this is like an aha. This is first first time ever heard and seen here. I, I'm poetic. I've written songs. I've, I've written poetry my entire life. And so hearing things in a way that ring, it it hits home for me. And I know that it's memorable. So my phrases, date them till you hate them, when in doubt, go out, you know, analysis paralysis. First of all, I do like rhyming. I do like it. It, it has to be memorable. If it's memorable and it has a click, then it's mine. And I also like it short, sweet, and to the point. Like you could hear it. And, and even if you don't remember the whole spiel about what it's really all about, you get it. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, Aliza, she once said, I mean, people quote me all the time. They're like, you know what you told me? I'm like, I don't know what. And then they tell me, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I got it. Actually, I should make that a regular. <laughs> I forgot that I said that. <laughs> so I, I do, I do genuinely get excited. It's almost, that's actually really like a part of who I am as a human, as a person. And, and I didn't realize it till now, but that's how my poetry comes out. It comes out in phrases and, you know, tweets and quotables. <laughs> Absolutely. I loved it. Cause it was like, you would see the excitement when you would say the phrases. And I'm like, I guarantee you, like when she gets one, it's like that same e equation of excitement behind the scenes. I'm literally cheering. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's it. Write it down. If I, if I go to sleep, I'm never going to remember it in the morning. But after I say it 10 times, it's like totally mine. And I own it. I, I have a list of, they're called Elisa isms and, and it's a Google doc in my, in my drive. That's fantastic. I love that so much. Um, has your own marriage helped you throughout your time as a marriage a matchmaker? Absolutely. Absolutely. My husband loves to joke. He's taught me everything I know. 
I love that. <laughs> so it's it's definitely helpful. I do believe that being a matchmaker, first of all, I say to people, anybody could be a matchmaker. Literally a three-year-old can be like, hey, you guys have tea and you can go out and have tea and that could be your person. And a three-year-old could have made that match. In terms of that, that's an introducer. Okay. There's three parts to a matchmaker. One is the introducer. Two is the mentor, the coach. That's where all the quotes, the phrases, the handholding comes in. And three is what I call the closer, which is either, yay, we're going to get married and we figured it out. Clarity or eh -eh. survey says, oh, thank you. This is wrong. We're going to move on. We are going back to the dating pool. So that's kind of the, the whole thing. I like that. Uh, what's the hardest part of your job? Oh, the hardest part is really hitting a home run grand slam and, and finding somebody's person, meeting somebody, no problem. Connecting with somebody, I could have them crying in three minutes telling me their whole life story. And they're like, I don't know why. And I'm like, I, like I'm a trustable, likable, lovable human who just loves people and they love me back. And we build these amazing connections instantly. Finding somebody's person is, I, I say it, it's the single hardest thing to do in the entire world. And, and I mean it, it's, it's really hard. It is. Um, let's see here. Uh, you've traveled. You traveled quite a bit throughout this entire series. Uh, was there a specific place you loved more than any of the others? Yeah, my absolute favorite place was Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I just like. I'm like. Oh, as I think of it right now, I hardly even have words. We got off the plane. I looked out at the mountains, and I was like, Oh, wow. Now I, I've traveled quite a bit. I've seen, I mean, I grew up in Philadelphia. We've been to mountains, snow, whatever, but we saw the Grand Teton Mountains and we traveled. It was just, it was, I don't know. I was blown away. I, I'm, I'm almost describing it and I, I can't even use words because in my head I had these visions and pictures of what it looked like. And God did me a really big favor. It was unusually warm. It was 55 degrees, which meant everything was melting, but Aliza wasn't freezing as we were filming and doing everything. And I was like, yes, I brought the Israel sunshine. So sorry. I ruined your winter, but I'll be gone in a few days and it'll get cold again. But it was it was breathtakingly beautiful. It's funny that you said that because I was like thinking of all the places you went to and I was like, that was probably the last one. But it's always those obscure places that always have like that beautiful scenery or something like that that really just knocks you out, right? Yeah. And I listen, if I was living in America and I hadn't just moved to Israel two years ago, I would have told you Israel, Jerusalem, the Wailing Wall. I mean, I would have been blown away and I would have said that was like absolutely something incredible, which it is. But being that I just moved here two years ago and I can go anytime that I want, it, it became familiar to me. And Jackson Hole, Wyoming became exotic. What's the biggest misconception about matchmakers? The biggest misconception is that people think that you just set them up. Like, just give me a date. I just need a date. I just, if you could just put the right person in front, just get, I just need, I, I just can't find them on my own. You do matchmaking. So just set me up. And it is not just a date. This for us is an entire process. We need to know you as a complete whole human individual. We need to connect you with another whole human being that grew up in a whole nother way from you, family and personality and life experiences. And we have to somehow get you guys to merge and meld together to become this one couple. And 
if you think that it's just throw me out on a date and let's see what happens, it's just not what we do. There's so much that we do that we are invested wholeheartedly and completely mind, body, and soul. We are in it with somebody and it's a process and it is not always a, a quick, easy process. Like it goes like this. We set you up. It's either your soulmate or you're disappointed. Doesn't even matter if it was a good date. You still walk away disappointed. It is soulmate or bust. And it is extremely frustrating because you're like, oh my gosh, I have a matchmaker and I paid them to set me up and I'm working with them and we're doing all this stuff and, and they still didn't introduce me to my person. It's like, okay, but did you grow? Did you learn something? Are you dating in a new way? What else happened, right? I could give you, you know, we did a whole makeover, you know, internally, externally. We got new photos. We've got a new wardrobe. We've got a new you. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but you didn't bring me my person. So bringing, bringing the person that is the jackpot and the gold at the end of the rainbow, you can either do that or fail. And matchmaking is basically a job that is a failure all the time, unless you have a home run. Right, it's either boom or bust every single time. Yes. Um, That's a good one. Boom or bust. We can hold on to that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What's something that you learned about yourself on this journey? Oh, nobody asked me that question yet. Um, so I have been married for 20 years. I have five kids and a dog and we just moved to Israel and I've been a wife and a mother and a business owner for many years. But the one thing that I haven't been is very alone. And on this trip, I had an opportunity to be traveling and I was mostly either in an Airbnb. Um, they made amazing accommodations because I needed to kosher a kitchen and I brought with a whole extra suitcase. That was my kosher suitcase. And, and if I ended up in a hotel that, you know, we had like a little stove and a kitchenette, we had a whole thing. And what I learned is that I haven't spent a lot of time alone and I enjoy it. <laughs> I actually love people like, didn't you get bored? Isn't it lonely? There's no, there's no sounds. There's no nothing. I was like, I don't even turn music on. I just actually go and I sit in a quiet Airbnb or a quiet hotel and I don't talk to anybody and it makes me really happy. And I know for some of the singles that I've worked with, they've talked about how like lovely it is to live on their own, to do their own thing, no roommates, nobody bothers them. And I was thinking, yeah, that is really a big win. And there's something really beautiful and beneficial in that. And then I step back into my life and I'm like, yeah, and there's something really beautiful in this also. And so this is the first time in 20 years that I had the benefit of going solo for a little bit and not having all of these people around me and living with all these people versus doing that all the time. And so it actually gave me a real appreciation of what daters are going through and, and the benefits, like there is a certain benefit of like, oh, I don't have to stand toilet seat up, toilet seat down, dirty socks. It doesn't matter if the kitchen, the kitchen's dirty, it's my fault. I don't blame it on anybody else, but it, it gave me a real appreciation of that. And I could see why that it's so beloved. And at the same time, there was a certain point where one of the trips was longer than I really would like, I would have liked it to have been. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. So I could see the other side where it's like, oh, I just want my person. I want to be done with this. Fine. I'm ready to have the noise and the struggle and the, all the challenges that come along with it. One of the things I loved about the series was that we saw a wide range of individuals, you know what I mean? Whether black, white, size, all of that. How important was that for you in this process? 
I am so happy that there was a wide range of backgrounds that people came from and the religious differences varied completely from one end of the spectrum to the other. Like you said, size and color and background, everything was unique and different. And it was like, wow, we're not just in a box. The Jewish people we are so diverse. I live in a community where there's Ethiopian Jews that live here. How often do, do you ever even hear about Ethiopian Jews? I, we walk down the street and we say Shabbat Shalom. They're, it's incredible. And I think the Jewish people are all over the world in all different countries from all different backgrounds with all different looks and all different styles. And I felt that Jewish matchmaking did an excellent job of portraying a wide range and God willing, please God, that there should be a season two. I would love to like dig into that more and like, oh, well, we did this last time. What else can we show? What, where else is the diversity? I would love to bring more of that out because the Jewish people, we are a diverse, incredible people. And I think it's something so unique and that we can share it and, and people can get to know all different types of us. I need a season two. I'm just going to throw that out there too. I'm right there behind yes. you. I would love a season okay. two as well. I mean, we need more alone time for you. You know what I mean? That's very, we got to check that box. You know what I'm saying? More alone time. Plus, you know, it's a great show. We're finding love. You know what I'm saying? Um, and speaking of finding love, this is one thing that I found fascinating, obviously, from the idea of love-based reality shows. Do you think that people can find love on these love-based reality shows? And, and how do you look upon them as a matchmaker? I do actually think that people can find love on reality shows, whether it's this show or I've seen Love is Blind. I love, by the way, Love is Blind Japan. I don't know if you've seen that one. That one warmed my heart. Oh, I fell in love. Uh, I think that when you have concentrated times to focus on love, hyper focus on love and your job is not more important and your family obligations are not more important where this becomes the number one thing and you devote all of your energy to it for sure i think that people can find love and and they can grow through this process and there's something unique about it where people step up and they're like, oh, I've always been serious about finding somebody, but um, I guess since I'm going to be in front of millions of viewers, I better take it even more seriously. And so I think that it provides an excellent platform for that to happen. What I love about Jewish matchmaking is that I think that it's a safe, healthy space to find love and not all reality shows provide a safe, healthy space. So this to me is like an ideal time and an ideal way to do it. My final question to you, if not matchmaking, what would it have been? The question of the hour. So <laughs> it's so, it's crazy. I, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I did go to college. I got a degree. I designed my own major and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I still graduated and didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. But now if I wasn't doing matchmaking, which I will never not do matchmaking. I'm sorry, I can't, I just can't. I would do business coaching because I love growing businesses. I love, it, it is a matchmaking process of finding exactly what you want to do, nailing it and getting it out to the world and helping people follow their passion. And with a lot of my singles that I work with, we, we do everything. We do not just coaching for dating. We do business and life coaching. I helped a client get a job. He was in the tech industry. He's like, I need a date. And I was like, do you have a job? And he's like, no, I'm in between jobs. I was like, let's get a job first so that you feel comfortable and secure with where you're at. Cause you're not sounding like you're feeling comfortable 
comfortable and secure, you can get, you can not have a job and get a date also. But if you're not feeling good about it, let's get you a job. And he's like, okay, you know, can you do some prep questions? Can we like role play? Like we do dating. Can we do it for a job? I said, sure, let's do it. And he called me a couple of weeks later. He's like, great. I got a job for over a hundred grand. I'm like, don't I get a referral fee? Pat <laughs> <laughs> like, on my back. I did a good job. So I would probably do business coaching, which I, I kind of, I like, I kind of do it also because I do um, offer coaching for matchmakers and coaches to start their own businesses. And, and I say, I like create my own competition, but I don't believe in competition. I only believe in collaboration. So I, I do actually help people build businesses, but my full-time thing is the matchmaking. That's like my side love. So, but I would really dig into that deep. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.